Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of the Sox on Tap postgame show. It's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve, and tonight we're joined by Sean Roberts. Got a little three-way action, but it's not the good kind. We're going to break down what uh, what has happened in this series against the Cleveland Guardians. Hint, hint, it hasn't been good. If you're tuned in here, the... Uh, the misery beers are uh, flowing in full force. Let's uh, let's get right down to it. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? It's been a while. It's it's been a while. There's been a lot of life changes uh, over the last couple months for for me. Uh, all good stuff, um, but uh, but yeah. So it's kind of taken up a lot of my time. It's um, but uh, happy to finally be back. It's it's a shame that I get to be back. I mean, story of my life on the the socks on top. Uh, socks on tap podcast has been nothing but losses really so i've been able to celebrate a lot of wins so just let's continue the misery right hey it's i, I felt it <laughs> fitting that you were going to get back on here today yeah. so we can kind of just uh talk about the corpse that is the white Sox. steve how are you doing tonight hey yo i'm not great it's a slow death march everything sucks <laughs> yeah, i'm about right there with you guys yeah so we'll get into uh, yesterday's ball game, and then we'll get into today's ball game, and we'll talk some general White Sox topics as we always do on this show. I had the derail conversation that was taking place that we're going to get to, and comparing this team to uh, some teams back in the uh, the two thousands. So we'll we'll get to that. But before we do, be sure you're following the show at Socks on Tap. Be sure you're following Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Sean at Sean23Roberts. You can find myself over at Tony on Tap. And uh, make sure you uh, join the YouTube comments. Get in the YouTube, subscribe, rate it, review it, do whatever you have to do. But just get in the YouTube comments so you can interact with us throughout the show. Guys, this has been a fucking disaster for... <laughs> lack of a better term, an absolute fucking disaster over the past two days at 35th and Shields. Let's get to yesterday first real quick. We had a nice little tailgate in Lot B. There was a big socks on tap presence. Our guy Besnick was there. Steve was there. I was there. Johnny was there. Uh, our guy Matt Berkland, city correspondent of ONTAP Sportsnet, was there. Our guy Jake Berger, Trojan, was there. Uh, big socks on tap presence. My wife was there. Everybody was there. We were all there. Last time we had that group of people together, uh, we watched Dylan Cease do some really good shit. He did not do really good shit yesterday, and neither did the White Sox. Steve, I'm going to go to you. Um, you know, just some some thoughts on yesterday's ball game. Well, I'll start with Dylan Cease. Went out there, 
command and control was not there, was behind 2-1-3-1 consistently for the majority of the evening there. Um, a lot of commentary on uh, twatter.com about a particularly bad zone last night when he was out on the mound. I didn't even go back and watch the replay of the game to kind of get a better sense as far as if that was something that was accurate, but I was seeing it from a lot of different places out there. But the overarching thing is, look, against this Cleveland team that puts the ball, or excuse me, puts the bat on the ball more than any other team in the league, as was highlighted by the graphics during the game today here, talking about the lowest whiff rate of any team in the league and just where that corresponds with teams that have made the postseason um, in the last seven or eight years. You can't do that against this team because if you are forced to come into the strike zone when you are behind in the count, they're going to make you pay. Now, Dylan Cease, because of his stuff, was able to overcome that yesterday and really only give up the one run. But this was not a dominating type Dylan Cease performance that we have seen for a majority of the year. He really had to battle his way through six innings yesterday. He was able to do that, ultimately put the team in a position to win. But then we all know what the fuck happened after that. Yeah, Sean. Let's let's hear some thoughts from you on yesterday's yeah. ball game. You got the uh, the television uh, screen viewing experience. We were at the ballpark, so uh, how was it? Um, it's just the story of the 2022 Chicago White Sox. I mean, you, it's getting up for the letdown, right? It's the it's the fake rallies. It's a Dylan Cease, you know. Yes, Steve, he did not have his best stuff. Um, but what you expect from an ace-type pitcher, unlike some people on the staff that think that they're aces, is when their best stuff doesn't work um, or it's not there, they still battle. They still keep your team you, – you, you keep the team with the chance to, to either tie or win, right? Like six innings, one run, I'll take that any day of the week, especially in a game like yesterday where it's it's – all the way to your shoulder, it's all the way on your shoulders. It's a you're playing for your playoff lives, your your regular season lives at that point. I'll take that all day. And you turn it over, you get the you leave the game in the I think he was he Lambert replacement in the seventh, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, so when you come out of the game, your team actually scraped together some runs. So you leave, and it was three to one. Jimmy Lambert comes in, walks the first two people, and you know, then yeah, like Steve said, we know what the fuck happened. So, um, not the best thing from Dylan Cease, but I'll take that any day of the week. Anytime your starter can get, go at least six innings, gives up one run all day. Well, it's time to get to the later innings of this ball games, guys. So the shit show. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the shit show. I liked what you guys said about Cease. I think it's been a great year for him. We were talking a little bit about X factors. Uh, in our in our group chat before uh, the show and and during the game tonight, and Sean, you had did, you did mention earlier this season that Dylan Cease was your X factor. I think he's performed up to that level, but you know, for all intents and purposes, yesterday and there was a magnifying glass on this game. I think, guys, because of the implications where Dylan Cease didn't come through uh, as much as you would want him to, you wanted that dominance. Uh, yesterday, and that's kind of where I felt, man, eh, maybe not the best start for Dylan Seats, but for all intents and purposes, he kept his team in the ball game. Let's get to the late innings of this thing. Sox were able to kind of claw themselves back in this four extra innings. 
Steve, you and I were there watching some extra baseball after a one-hour rain delay to start this thing. It's getting into the later hours of the night. We know you got a long drive back to Northwest Indiana. Uh, So we were telling A.J. Pollock, at least Johnny was, he was screaming at A.J. Pollock, you're going to walk this thing off. Was that going into the bottom of the ninth or into the tenth? Um, I forget which one it was, but uh, A.J. Pollock did not listen. He did hit a home run to end, you know, his his final at bat of the night, but uh, couldn't have come at a worse time uh, in extra innings because Johnny asked him to do it earlier. It just took a little while. So I'm not sure if, you know, just like 69 Mega, it takes a little bit of time to kick in here again, Steve, or what the deal was. But uh, those were some ugly extra innings, and I know we all left the ballpark pretty deflated. Steve, I'll go to you first here. Uh, take me through your thought process through those those final innings of what felt like White Sox contention. Well, first I want to kind of go back to that seventh inning when Cleveland tied the game after the Sox had a 3-1 to one lead. Um, Jimmy Lambert, a guy that all of us on the show have spoken very highly of this year a guy that has really stepped up in his new role coming out of the bullpen this year and performed admirably. Yesterday was not the case. Um, as Sean alluded to, going out there, walking the first two guys of the inning, immediately putting this team in a tough spot. And then Aaron Bummer following suit there and and the team just not being able to hold a lead, as we have seen far too often this year. They get that lead and then they just immediately give it right back. Um, through just poor execution, whether it's pitching or defensively. So we saw that on full display. Do you, you know, guys think that that's been a mentality issue or just a fundamental issue throughout the year? I'm curious. Tony, it's everything. It's everything. It's the, the it's an organizational issue. It's a it's a mentality issue. It's 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 everything. And the difference between bad teams and good teams and like like Steve said there when uh, good teams when you get a 3-1 lead like that your team scraps together three runs to take the lead you go out there and you have a shutdown inning right you don't walk the first two people of the inning and I mean not just walk people but not yep. even close I think you threw one strike out of that if, if yeah, I'm but wrong but I know where you're going you got to come out there and you shut it down one two three that's what good teams do the White Sox aren't a good team, and you saw what happened yesterday. And it's been the story of this damn season, and it's why we're pissed off, we're sad, we're mad. And we have all the emotions that we have because this team has had ample opportunity all season long to dominate this division, and they've refused to do it. And now we're sitting here six games out of first place, technically seven because of the tiebreaker situation. It's just yesterday was everything of what this season fucking is. Sean, for for sake of time here, perfect, good answer, Steve. Mentality issue or fundamental issue, and then we can go back on on your point here. I think I, I, I think felt it's like a, it was time to discuss this. It's it's a combination of the two things. I, I think to Sean's point, that definitely is a mentality issue to this. You know, when they took that three to one lead in the seventh inning there, uh, or excuse me, in the sixth inning, and Eloy comes up with a runner on second base and two outs, and you have a chance to put another run on the board and make it a three run game. You got a chance to step on a team's throat. That's what the fucking Los Angeles Dodgers do. That's what the Houston Astros do. That's what teams that are viable world series contenders do when they have a chance to fucking bury somebody, they do it. This white Sox team. We're seeing it right now with the guardians, right? Exactly. Exactly. So there's that aspect of it. Um, so from, from an execution standpoint, um, 
major issue right there. And then, you know, from the mentality side of it, I mean, we can talk about this, that it just has seemed really laid back and a much more dormant group this year versus what we saw for a good portion of last season. That's really just problematic. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that it, it, it is. It's a level of complacency. And that's something that I talked about at the start of the season here. And I remember when we did our season preview show and everybody scoffed at me when I said this team was going to take a step back and only win 88 games because I said something didn't feel right with this group. I couldn't put my finger on it. And everybody told me I was crazy. Maybe I wasn't for once. <laughs> well, so, I mean, the we'll, tone give, was, we'll give you the, the nice award that, that you. We'll I don't you, fucking want it though. That's the we'll that's the you, like that's that's we'll the thing about the nice like, award. You know, I I, I says I was negative in the start on this season. Oh, okay, we're not nice. We're not going down that. Hey, spot. We're not fucking going down that path into existence. again, here, Anthony. All right, we're not going. Spoke down that it path. into existence, man. It's so painful, and that's why you're muted on Twitter.com. The the tone Soft. was set when Liam Hendricks gave up a walk off home run on opening day. Oh, brutal. Absolutely brutal. I'd like to also say, Steve, you're not the only one in the socks on tap uh, proverbial doghouse for being so negative all year. I mean, you almost unseated negative Nani. But where was our guy Buzz all year? The White Sox needed his positive energy. We needed to open up a socks on tap investigates. Where was that guy all year? If you're out there on on Twitter.com, Ask where Buzz was. I think he was in the, the missing in piece. In the group chat, I've tried to I, I try to be like balanced, but I think too much of my negativity, like it's my venting in a sense, because I get so pissed off at this team and this organization. And then I feed off of Steve, like because I agree with everything that Steve says. So then and then I feel bad because I know Tony's like, listen, we need all the pot, you know, positive vibes. And I just I don't have any. They suck the positive vibes out of me. Could you imagine what it'll be like probably tomorrow morning when I just unleash all of my negativity into the group chat? It'll be fantastic. Listen, you I'm, guys I'm, will feel so validated. Listen, I'm all having, year. I'm having I'm, myself. This is a hard time for me right now. <laughs> I'm having myself a very got, challenging day. I got so up for the letdown. <laughs> you know, I, it's just, you know, you have that performance last night. You have this follow through performance here today. Earlier today, I, I was told I resembled an Italian. I mean, things are just off the fucking rails here. Now, that's just anti-Italian discrimination right there, Steve. <laughs> just off the fucking rails. What am I going to do oh, with this guy? Man. This is fantastic. Uh, where where were we, Steve? We we, we went off the rails and, and talked about whether or not this team has a mentality problem or a fundamental problem. I personally think they have both. It's both. But it's, it's, it's everything. This uh, is I mean, the hard. This is the elephant in the room. How the fuck do you fix it? Okay, well, well, and here, here's another thing I want. I want to get to. We want to talk about people joining the YouTube portion of the program here, so they can get in the comment section. Let's talk about this comment right here from Bucket Hat Thirty Three. Yeah, is I like the most that. Unlikable team I have ever followed. What have I been saying for months now? And I agree with Bucket Hat. One million fucking percent on this. This fucking team has made me absolutely sick for months. I cannot agree more that there is not a White Sox team in my lifetime that I have disliked more than this one. Steve, is it? And, I, and I'm with you. I'm with you. And I agree with the comment from from Bucket Hat 33 there. Why is that? Is it is it 
the way that they play the game? Is it the mentality that they have? Is it the leadership that they have or lack thereof? What what is it? Because I'm with you. I there's something about this team that I just despise it so start, much. Start. You know what? It started in the winter before the lockout happened when we were told specifically the areas that this team needed to address after they lost to Houston in the ALDS last year. We were told they needed to address second base. We were told they needed to address right field. We were told we, we, they were, need- we were swore that it was going to be fixed. Right. We were told that they needed to be able to address and add a left-handed bat that could provide balance against right-handed pitching, something they struggled against last year. They did none of those fucking things. So immediately, right out of the shoot, we had a fucking problem right there. So we had a problem right away. And then you get all the injuries kicking in. And then just like like you guys were talking about, there was a there was an aura of complacency that was surrounding this team from the Arrogance. very minute they got to Glendale for this shortened spring training. And then it carries over into the start of the season when, you know, it's April and May. So, you know, hey, we can just fuck around and hit Larry Garcia in the top five in the lineup multiple times. We can rest Andrew Vaughn because, you know, hey, we need to keep his legs fresh for fucking September. Or we can have him be the second leadoff hitter because these games don't matter because it's only it's only April. It's only May. It's only June. Look where the fuck we're at now. He, he, he said it, Tone. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I'll 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 go and I'll go and say that you know everything that Steve said is is perfectly valid. I mean, as I was saying before, I mean, I got the most up for this letdown because I just I I I personally want to believe in it. I want my baseball team to be good, and and trying to go through the season the way that Steve describes it literally probably would have broke my spirit already. I, I would be dead. Like I would probably have had a fucking heart attack already. And so, you know, I, I want to preface it with this. Some of it's the expectations, right? We've seen so many fucking shitty years of White Sox baseball. Tony, so many. this team was picked to win the World Series by yeah, I know. multiple people. I know. And that's sort of the, the same sense. Metaphorically, you can look at this entire club the same way you can look at Johan Moncada's career right now. This was a guy that was talked about as a fucking phenom (laughs) and then you know like everybody's debating half the time you have to just the same way you have to preface oh tone the same way you have to preface i like yohan mancata but this shit fucking stinks every single yohan mancata thing that comes out there it's like i like yohan mancata i'm a big fan of him but something fucking just stinks it smells rotten it's like i'm a white Sox fan but this doesn't work. And so you just sit there in the same fucking chair every night. You drink your beer, you watch this team and you get mad. And so, yeah, sometimes you have to just buy in and then, and then you just fucking explode at the end. But, but Tony, this is, this isn't just this year. Like we bought in, we bought in, we bought in in 2016. And that's part of the problem. We were the ones that were following the, the, the damn Charlotte Knights Twitter feeds getting highlights fed to us yes. every single night. And, yes. oh, we can't wait till these guys show up. And then we get promised that the money's going to be spent and this and that. And then, Steve, I think you, you put it. Was it you that put it on Twitter? 
today about the, it was a 2018 2019 offseason that fucked us. It started this whole thing. That's that's what started this we cheapened out reaction. We cheapened out in 2018 2019. And yeah, we got lucky in 2020 with the shortened season. We were able to win the division. That's all well and good. We got to, we were like, okay, here we go. Now we're off and running. And then we failed to fill the holes that we needed to fill. We got, but hey, don't worry. We got Larry Garcia to a three-year fucking contract or whatever that, but it's just, it's one thing after another. And we all, every single one of us got up for the letdown. And now the, now we are, we are. I'm going to say this is fucking rock bottom strictly from the expectations because the main question that you, that how do how the fuck do we fix this? I, I don't know. You get, you're not, we're not going to just sign one player and be like, yep, we're all good. The thing That's- that makes this even tougher to deal with. So piggybacking off of the expectations aspect of it there, Sean, you're 100% right. This team was picked by just about everybody to win the to win the division. You look at any projection system, they all had this team about 90 to 92 wins. And I had somebody tell me over the last couple of days, Cleveland is going to win this division in a year where they were not even expecting or frankly trying to they compete. Were they were literally talking about trading Shane Bieber in April. <laughs> Weren't they talking about trading Jose Ramirez too? No, they, well, no, they, they, signed, they, him they that signed him to that extension. Deal. Like last oh, yeah. year though. Like, I mean, la- last year, sure. But I mean, going into the start of the season and into April, there was literally, I, I can't remember if it was passing or what national guy wrote an article basically saying that it looks as if the Shane Bieber's time in Cleveland is going to be coming to an end before the trade deadline. This was a team at the trade deadline that didn't do anything strictly because I don't even think that they bought in yet that they were contenders that they eventually traded, they the traded White for Sox, Sandy Leone. That's wonderful. Right. But you know what I mean? Like, they, and, and we don't do anything and we, that's a whole different conversation, but Cleveland didn't even believe in really what the fuck they were doing. And but here they Sean, are. Here, I want to, I want to bring up the fact that, I've I've said this for a long time, even back to my Shy Sox Weekly days, that when it came time for Rick Hahn to buy at a deadline to figure out how to do that, he was potentially going to be trigger shy because of what happened in something that Steve said, the last rebuild that nobody wants to talk about, he got burned and he got burned bad. And we've never seen this front office really put the capping moves on a team the way that other organizations nope. have. Even you go back to. to 2005 and they got pretty lucky that they only had to make small minor adjustments. This organization has never brought in I got we got I got to push back player. on that for a second Anthony. I got to push back on that for a second. You weren't old enough to remember this, but they had at the time a deal in place for Ken Griffey Jr. and he nixed the deal in 2005. At the at the trade deadline, yes, yep, I I, I remember that. So it still didn't get done. I understand that, but again, I mean, they made they made the the, the move was made. The deal was 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 apparently there that 
White did, Sox David was bringing up the other day that uh, they had a deal in place for Jake Arrieta. That they got did. That, but next okay. because of a failed Not, physical. Je, no, Jesse Crane failed the physical. Yeah, and then you, you add that up to every single every single time they've had a seat at the table. It doesn't matter what the fucking excuse it's, is for that it didn't get done. It didn't get done. It's always something. The Tory Hunter shit. The we've been dealing with this for years, right? The Tory Hunter shit. The the Bryce Harper stuff. The the Manny Machado stuff. Like we you can't throw Bryce Harper in there because they didn't even fucking try. <laughs> they didn't even fucking try. You literally somebody you missed, made a graphic and paraded it around the United Center. Uh, okay, they had they had, did they have a meeting? Yes, and there's a video clip. You can find it on the interwebs. I think it was with CBS Sports. He literally talked about loving the mentality on the south side of Chicago and the Sox fan base. You yeah. can find it if you want it. This. If you if you read between the lines, it was pretty clear he he kind he of wanted to come he to kind of wanted city. it. He kind of wanted it. Well, because he wanted to be here to be by Chris Bryant. Like there were there were storylines and narratives about him coming to Chicago for that reason. It's, it's I mean, I still remember the NBC graphics that said that Nolan Arenado was going to be playing third base for the Chicago White Sox and the Chuck Garfine podcast that said how great Alec Hansen was going to be at as the number two starter in this rotation. Why do we do this to ourselves? Because we love baseball. John. But here's the thing. But okay, us as a fan base, right? Okay, so moving forward, we know that this season's fucked and we're done and whatever. Moving forward, when it comes to a free agent, right, comes to a big name, are we ever going to? Is he who shall remain nameless still alive? Well, yeah, that it. it, uh, Yeah, that's the question. Um, Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, because as long as he's running the show, we're going to get what we get. What's White Sox Dave always put out there? Reap what we sow. Like that. That's that's. It's it's the absolute truth. It's the absolute fucking truth. You know there are two organizations in the city of Chicago that are not able to attract premium free agents. What do they share in common? If we had Buzz on tap here, he could help provide a little bit of clarity. I mean, if you're talking about the Chicago Bulls. Didn't Dwayne Wade come here at one point? I mean, like that has to yeah, count. What he yeah, was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's old. the same Jerry Reinsdorf <laughs> type fucking signing. Oh, man. That's why you, you bring up the 2005, I, like, oh, Ken Griffey Jr. was going to come here. And then Kenny goes and gets his guy a couple years later. It's the Manny oh. Ramirez thing. Surprised A-Rod didn't have a stint of like 13 games in a White Sox uniform while he was like half alive. Kevin, in fact. In fact, I'm surprised they didn't sign A-Rod when he tweeted the video of, I want to come back and chase Pujols. Like, that would have been a White Sox signing if I'd ever fucking seen one. Put, but, 50, put, put 50-year-old buttons, A-Rod. Buttons in the seats, man. Yeah. So, okay. I Can they still do that? Like, maybe that would give people a reason to come back. It'd be the ultimate can Kenny we... gets his guy, A-Rod, in a White Sox uniform down the stretch here. Why couldn't they? Can we can – we circle this back real quick how uh, how do we fix this is it fixable here's basically where i'm at and and anthony you're gonna sit there and you're gonna do your little you know thing oh this is why you have to mute steve you know blah 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 and all that noise no go for it at the end of the day here's what's gonna happen 
they're going to cut payroll this winter. I've heard from numerous people without playoff revenue, payroll is getting cut. So you look at this thing, there's not a lot of good ways to do it. Okay. So you're talking about guys that you can move. Liam Hendricks. Okay. You know, maybe you get a, a playoff team that needs a closer, but you're going to have to cover that final $18 million, that, that option that he gets paid regardless of whether he's on the White Sox or not. So you're going to have to pick that up and you're going to have to throw that money in there to try to get any kind of prospect value back in any capacity. So you do that. Johnny Cueto leaves. Yeah, he'll be gone. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you can move Kendall Graveman. Maybe. I don't know. What do you do? With, well, Joe Kelly, no one's going to take Joe Kelly. No one's taking so. Joe Kelly. No one's interested in that. No. And then basically what you have to do is you have to hope for a dead cat bounce. You have to hope that Lucas Giolito remembers how to get people out. You have to hope that Yasmani Grandal maybe gets new legs. I got new legs. <laughs> and uh, maybe he he figures out, you know, how to hit the ball out of the ballpark again. Hopefully, you know. But see, maybe. like, and this is the sad but, but, state but, that I mean, we're in. This it's is literally, literally where, where we're at. You have to just try to basically run it back and hope for a dead cat bounce and hope that whatever – bargain basement scrap heap moves that Han makes. Well, actually I should say probably Chris Gass because he's probably going to be the guy that's going to be the GM. We're just going to rearrange the chairs of the Titanic. Um, just hope that he guesses right and that you get a dead cat bounce. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, they're not going to go out and make any splashes. So no, because, because Oscar Colas is your right fielder, whether oh, yeah. that's on opening day or not. Yep. So there's not there's not going to be an outfield signing. No. You, no. You're not moving AJ Pollock and that money. No. Nope. You've boxed no, you've boxed yourselves into a lot of corners here. So so I guess what you do, what do you okay, so you'll have Colossus will be your right fielder. Robert will be your center fielder, barring he wants to still play baseball. Left field will be Pollock, right? Theoretically. First so, we don't know. What do you do at second base? Uh, I would Anderson say. will be your shortstop. Mankato will be your third baseman. Eloy's going to be your DH. I would say at second base, you're probably looking at Romy Gonzalez. Okay. Do you try and bring. I don't think you're going to get what you got, or you're not going to get. Ellis Andrews is like playing out of his mind right yeah. now. You're not going to get that again. So, but do you try to bring him back on a one-year deal? I mean, you, I don't think there's going to be the money there. Like it, and it's you, all going to come down to how much they cut is, the payroll. How much? They, how much part of the that is part of that is is because you signed a guy in Larry Garcia to a three-year contract, and you've you've hamstrung yourself for and no you reason. Joe, and you signed Joe Kelly for nine million dollars, and you signed right. Kendall Graveman for for nine or ten million dollars, whatever number it was. Super pen that gives up runs. That's that's why you know. Good smart teams like the Rays don't spend on the bullpen. They nope. grow their own fucking relievers. Yep. So okay. Now the, the main question. Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets. Who goes, who stays? I talked about this and Anthony got, you know, mad online about this the other day. Nobody wants to think about this side of the equation. What if Jose Abreu doesn't want to waste 
the few good remaining years of his baseball life and an organization that fucking has let him down for close to a decade. Everybody wants to sit here and just assume that it's the White Sox decision. And then he's going to come back. Yeah. Yep. Why, why should Jose Abreu give the last few good years of his baseball life to this fucking organization? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. So, honestly, he might make the decision for them. And he deserves to make that decision because he fucking deserves Because this organization has fucking failed him. And it's pathetic. What, two, two rebuilds with him, right? He was supposed to be the corner piece of the original rebuild. Yep. And he lived up to his end of the bargain. No Everybody else, else around this shit show failed him. So, okay, let's say Jose walks. You have you have Gavin and Andrew as your rotating first baseman, right? You're stuck with Larry Garcia. Grandal will be your catcher if he can, if his knees hold up. That's an if. What? It's just yeah. Yeah, I mean we're running it back, and we yep. know what the result's going to be. Do you, I mean you just hope that you know no one Luis, gets hurt? Yeah, you hope what, you hope that Luis basically Robert stay and healthy, right? Is that what? Beefloaf always does. L- Luis Robert and Eloy, you just hope that they can somehow miraculously put together 120 games, which, you know, would be the first time that that happens. And hope for the dead cat bounce. Does someone sit Does someone sit Luis Robert and, and Juan Mancada down and just say, hey, do you guys want to keep playing baseball? Do you want to be here? Here's my question. Everyone <laughs> talks talents there. Everyone talks about the leadership of Jose Abreu and the father figure that he is to these guys. Why is he not having that conversation? Do you think that Jose's tried? I I don't know. That's what I would I would love for I, one of the beat reporters that actually has access to this team on a day in and day out basis. To find the answer to that question, I would like to think, and Tony, like I would like to think that Jose's tried that, right? Like I would like to think that at some point over the last few years that he sat there, and probably mainly this year, and maybe that's why when they show every single game at the end of the game after the White Sox lose, and Jose Bray sitting there going like, "Fuck this shit, man!" Like, do you think that he's at least maybe tried to talk to these guys? Maybe not the team, right? But guys like Mincata and Robert. And he just knows there's no getting to them. It's entirely possible. I mean, I've heard from from people, and I'm sure Anthony, you've probably have heard the same thing because we've there's been some crossover in some of the circles here. That um, you know, Johan got a little complacent when he got the paper. I, I mean, that that I mean, it's obvious, right? You know, I don't. I mean, I don't he, even... he wouldn't be the first athlete to do that but you know he's got residuals coming in from his he does he doesn't he doesn't have that mindset and that mentality that jose abreu has i talk about this all the time and say that you have to fucking amputate a limb to get that guy out of the lineup it ain't the case with the rest of these guys i know he's not you know making that much from spotify because i think for like every click he gets a penny so He's not. Re- he's not relying on the music residuals. I. Like, I think you're. I think like as much as we credited Han, right? As much as we credited Han for locking these guys up early to these extensions for oh, this. Oh, oh, just the, for the 
just the wait until the second week of October because I got a little something coming out on that topic. <laughs> but but for the window, right? Like, hey, you know what? Like, he locked these guys up. We're not going to have to deal with like what the Cubs just had to deal with, and blah 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 blah. Problem is, these guys got paid right without even having to prove anything. In a sense, Eloy Jimenez got paid before he even had a major league at bat. Luis Robert had, got paid before he even had a major league bat or at bat. And I mean, let's be frank. The three of those guys, Mincata, Robert, Mincata 2019 was phenomenal, right? But those guys really, we've seen the talent. We've seen what they can do. It's a, they're not on the field that much because of health reasons. And frankly, watching Luis Robert play baseball over the last few weeks has been really, really sad. Yeah. Really, really sad. I've talked about this a number of times on the show this year that the prospect pedigree that surrounded these guys is not in line with the production. Right. And there are too many people, unfortunately within the fan base that are still getting caught up on the prospect pedigree. We're past that point. We we talk, we talk about availability being the most important ability. These guys fail in that department. Eloy, at least since he came back, has made the necessary adjustments to his swing and is producing and is producing at a level that is commensurate with what we anticipated he would be. You're seeing what he can do when he's when he's on the field and healthy. Right. I Mincata and Robert. I remember, remember I being told that uh Luis Robert was Cuban Mike Trout. You still want to talk about that? I mean, he was a MVP candidate going into this year. I I know some idiot that wrote that if Luis Robert played 145 games, he was going to finish top three in the MVP. I mean, imagine being that moron. Now, now he can't swing fully. That's been a joy to watch. Tone, you got what do you got, man? <laughs> I'm just sitting back, relaxing. I'm uh, I strapped it down, and I just wanted to hear some baseball conversation. It's depressing you know, shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 good sometimes because I feel like I talk so much that uh, I just wanted to sit back and and listen for for a minute. There was a lot of Tony talk slander coming from Steve over there. I don't think that he was, I don't think he was out of line on on what he thought that next year's going to be. I, I really well, it's, don't. It's, and it's and and Steve, that's same. not the reason. That's not the reason that that you wind up muted on my on my timeline by any means is because you 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 think that those are the things that are going to take place over the off season. I just don't need to hear it because I'm getting it from a million different people and you're just so vocal about it. So, um, you know, it, it just winds up being this really tough spot. Sean, you asked, you're like, why do we do this to ourselves? And, you know, I, I just, I really fucking love baseball. I think it's the best thing in the world. I love being a white Sox fan, even though we go through these hard times, there's, not a, there's no other reason why I'm on this show. And I think that you guys are part of this show is because we, we fucking love white Sox baseball. I hope, I hope, I hope our guy Sal is still listening because he will understand the reference and Sal, if you're listening, get in the comments section here. Let me know. You're still here. You want to talk about hard times when dusty Rhodes gave the hard times promo, he was talking about white Sox fans. Yeah, I have no idea what the Dusty Rhodes promo is, I'll be honest. But, uh, I mean, hey, guys, 
it's fun to talk about this. It's it's fun to get to do this. It's fun to uh, you know just uh, go through this with other people. It's it's a good time. You know, I said this earlier this year. I think you know one of the reasons why I don't like the pitch clock is it's going to take away time that I get to enjoy the sport that I love the most and the team that I love the most. Uh, it's going to take time away from me. It's going to take time away from grabbing an extra beer in between innings at the ballpark. You know, it's it's taking away from the thing that I, I enjoy personally uh, the most as a leisure activity is, is watching baseball, playing baseball. Both you guys played baseball growing up. You love this sport, I think, just as much as I do. And, you know, it, Steve, I think you're dead on with your assumptions of what's going to take place this offseason. There's a lot of moving pieces. Does Jose Abreu come back? We discussed this at length the other night, um, you know, and what happens there and what's what's the smart move versus what's the popular move uh, within the fan base. These are all absolutely intriguing topics, and we're, we're just along for the ride, and we're going to talk about it. So, but, hey. So we've talked about I – don't, I don't know where to go from here, guys. I so we've no talked about the roster standpoint, right? Talked about the roster standpoint. What do we do with the manager standpoint? I mean, there's obviously an elephant in the room here. Like, let's let's get absolutely real with it. There's no way in hell that you could. I don't think there's any way in hell that Tony La Russa comes back and manages this team next year. There is. Well, you can have your opinions about it any way you want to. I I think he was set up to fail from the minute that he was signed on as the manager. He was an unpopular hire. Absolutely, I don't know if he was set up to fail. He he was given. He was a given roster. A roster. Okay, yeah. so he was given a playoff roster, but in terms of fan support, media. Since when does Tony Larusa care about what fans fucking think? He doesn't. He doesn't. Well, so, actually, so, I so would throw, actually so argue throw, against you, Steve. I would. I would argue against you because I've got a, a White Sox book that I have that sits on my nightstand, and it's got various quotes of members of the White Sox organization in it, and it's you know rife with comments from managers in White Sox past. And this thing was published before La Russa was even uh, rehired as the White Sox manager. And in there as a quote, it literally says, at the end of the day, all I would like is to get a fair shot from the fans. That's what I care about is to get a fair shake from the fans and I'll do my best. And I hope they believe in me. And I would say from day fucking one here, no one's wanted him around. Because Jerry Reinsdorf is the one that brought him back in. You want to you want to say that Rick Hahn was stifled in this? Fair, hundred percent agree with it. But was Tony La Russa ever the fan favorite of anybody since the day that he held that White Sox manager position? Very few and far between. The narrative was always, "I don't want La Russa around my ball club for whatever reason it was." It went from the stretches of. He's not going to be able to manage Tim Anderson. He's going to take the fun out of the ball club. He's going to do all these things. And last year, you saw a hell of a fucking fun ball club. I don't know what happened this year. I know people want to, you know, there's there's rumors around certain players and what happened in Cleveland and all these other different things. I have no fucking idea what happened. I also know that Tony La Russa is at the back end of his career. Most people are at his age. Was he the right choice? I have no fucking idea. Probably not. But there was a million other hires, too, that could have been the wrong one. People were out to get him from Jump Street. 
and he never got a fair shake from the fans. I would say, based on quotes that are published in books, Steve, yeah, he probably does care. Do you think he wanted to come in here and lose? I don't think Tony LaRusse is a loser. I really don't, because he's won a lot of fucking baseball games. He's lost a lot, too. But do you think that he wants to go down in flames like this? Absolutely not. The fact that the guy flew back to Chicago and tried to get back on managing this team through whatever this is at least shows that he cares, at least shows that he wants to do something. Because on the same end, I think Tony La Russa could have easily said, look it, I've got health issues. I'm stepping away for the rest of the fucking season. I think there's issues within the, the front office of this team because you've got reports that leaked out that certain members of the front office that can you know make decisions don't want him back. I think whatever it is there absolutely stinks, and that's why you haven't really heard anything outside of Rick Hahn say, Tony wants to keep this private. You haven't heard anything from Ken Williams on it. You've barely gotten a lot out of Miguel Cairo, and you haven't heard Tony La Russa speak publicly outside of doing something for the Oakland A's. I think that that just reeks of miscommunication within your front office. And it's the same thing that plagues this White Sox organization in every other aspect of shit that we've talked about all year. The fact that people want to turn it into a joke, cool, fine. You want that. It is what it is. He probably wasn't the right hire to begin with. But at the end of the day, I think he's turned into a proverbial punching bag for a lot of people online. That's he's just my thought. The, he's become the easy fall guy. Yeah. Right. Like he's become the, and, but sometimes to his own doing, like, I like, but not sometimes, most of the time. Oh, he doesn't doing, help right? himself. Not right. at all. He doesn't help himself. At some point, at some point, this fan base, some of them need to wrap their mind around that there are players on this team that are currently playing on the field that have failed and failed miserably. It's not just. Yeah, but Sean, you've got it. Like, I'm gonna, let's, let's take this out of just the White Sox perspective and go back for, for a minute here and look at this fan base is basically some of the same fan base that also uh, roots for another Jerry Reinsdorf home team. Like we talked about the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. They're also the same fan base that has rallied around the Chicago Bears for years. A lot of them. Not all of us. Not all of us. And Steve, you can laugh at this, but what do fans in Chicago just love to absolutely do? It's just pile it on a front office. And you've seen it now with and you're the Chicago it on Bears. The north side too. You've seen it. Yeah, you have. You have seen it on the north side, but you've also seen it with the Chicago Bulls. Is is it is it getting close to that time? where Jerry hears the message on the South side, you guys talk about wanting to fix it. There's a lot of optimism in the, in the bears organization, in the, in the Cubs organization right now, in the bulls organization. I I feel like, and I might be wrong here, but I feel like the Chicago white Sox front office is the longest tenured front office in Chicago sports right now. It's because Because it is hired. No one gets fired. Like it, it, Ken Williams literally got a promotion, right? Like no, and it, Rick Hahn. And, not and do we do fired. we not expect like Tony Larusa to be like Ken Williams' GM assistant? You know, Tony like Larusa some... will be vice president, and he'll never have to be in the stadium ever again. But he will be on payroll 
from from the organization. Jerry will get, write him checks every two weeks, and that's to, he to can be, be honest, in Arizona Sean, as a special scout. Some of that's fine to me, and that's fine. Like he's he's not a bad baseball mind to have in your organization at a limited capacity. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't. I also don't think, and Steve will probably crucify me for this one. I don't think that having Jim Tomei as somebody within your baseball organization is a bad move. No, not as the manager. So I, I'm not saying that okay. he's the manager. I'm saying he's within I, okay, your organization okay, okay, doing okay. something. Okay, let me baseball let me, capacity, okay, brand me, ambassador, whatever it is. Okay, let me let me respond to that right there. Okay, so as you watch MLB Network. Tommy's a guy that is a consistent contributor on there. And they obviously will do a lot of breakdowns. Actually, if you listen to him talk about hitting, he, I think, can clearly articulate a message from a hitting standpoint. Now, obviously, different individuals need messaging done in different ways. Can he convey that message differently to different types of hitters across different backgrounds and different upbringings? I've heard from some people that he does a good job of that. So to your point, Anthony, I will not dispute that. But the idea and the notion of putting him in the dugout, because I've heard that thing get floated around here in recent days, of him taking over, becoming the manager of this team next year, that ain't the fucking answer. Well, I'll ask you guys no, this. No. And and I, I agree with you, Steve. I don't think that's the answer. But is Miguel Cairo? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. We've seen we've seen some bad we've seen some troubling and some bad things here in the last seven to ten days. No question about Perfect. that. Some decisions have not been particularly good. What I want to see is I would love if I actually had a real serious organization that was going to do a serious search. Miguel Cairo could be part of that search. Go out there, talk to you mean interview voices. somebody interviews, interview people, get perspectives from so outside, the, here's, from here's outside the of your little bubble. Yes. Of here, white here's Sox the problem. Nest. Steve, you're not going to get out of that bubble. Unless, I understand that unless Ken Williams and Rick Hahn are gone. So, okay. Okay. Is Rick Hahn getting fired? I don't Rick, think so. Rick Hahn's getting, getting pushed upstairs. I don't. Yeah, Rick, I don't think so. so I think he get, he becomes the president of baseball operations. There's some new made up term, and and like Steve said, if I had to guess, this is just all my inkling. Chris Scott's new GM. You you try and put lipstick on the piggy gun and, and see if it works. That's that's not the answer. That's that's the complacency that we. That's what we'll we buy do as into. An organization. That's what we do, and right. and and like the the, the but managerial the, stuff. The thing that I'm the thing that I'm trying to put down here, Sean, is that you've seen change at every other organization within Chicago. You've seen some sort of radical move. Is is the time up for Rick Hahn and Ken Williams? If, it absolutely should be. It should be, but it we won't all know be. that. It should be, but it won't be. It won't be why, because Perfect. I've seen I've Very seen billboards. Loyalty. The loyal the loyalty wasn't there for Garpex. That only changed when the sellout streak stopped. If the so, are you streak... arguing that there's really no sellout streak with the White Sox, so it doesn't matter? Yes, that's exactly what. And 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 actually, it benefits Jerry Reinsdorf when less people dangled. show up. 
the carrots dangled, right? If you look at the structure of, of that lease agreement, it favors the White Sox for them to not have as many people in the ballpark. Or I shouldn't say it favors the it favors Jerry Reinsdorf's pocketbook. So Rick Hahn won't be fired. The managerial search, because it we won't be Tony Russo. Are we all in agreement? Are we all in agreement right. that it's not going to be TLR? I find it very hard to believe that it will be. Next year as manager, I find it very hard that TLR will be so, the manager either. So I'm I'm with Steve. I at some point you have to do be, be a, a a legitimate organization. Go through an interview process. I don't care if it's two people. Go through an interview process where it's not all of a sudden that we're getting a Twitter update. The White Sox have hired Robin Ventura. The White Sox have hired Tony La Russa. What? I didn't even know they were going through an interview process. Because Give they did inter- Are, are oh, you right. sure? Because, because I still remember that they interviewed candidates. I remember I remember that differently. Well, well, they they interviewed different candidates because obviously, as we all remember, when the press or excuse me, when the Twitter release came out that uh, LaRusso was hired, it had AJ Hinch's signature on the picture. Well, that's that's fair. I, I would say that they still went through an interview process, and I and, I, and, I, and I, that I just case, think that that's totally unfair to like and that okay in that go case, throw yes. it in that light because the, Jerry Reinsdorf ended up making the decision for his business in in. His own way, which is fine, in my opinion. It's fine for him as the owner to have a say in the hiring process. But I think the problem really there is that's that's kind of on Rick Hahn and Ken Williams. If if we're gonna go socks on tap after dark, why why not leave? Because they like it too. And let me answer, let me no let me answer let me ask you this question then, Anthony. Why leave? Sure. A job where you have a guaranteed seven-figure income. You don't. With no no threat of losing said income unless you tell your superior to fuck off. That's literally the only way. That's how Vinny Del Negro got in trouble because he got into it with PAX. That's how uh, Thibs. Exactly. That's why I'm saying that. If you don't violate the chain of command, you have a job for life with your made man. You're made man. So uh, that's why I said you're comfy. You're comfy there. It's the entire organization's mentality to bring it all full circle from the entire pod. Well, that's it, where you start to that's where you start to lack accountability throughout an organization. It's it's complacency. It's complacency from the owner. It's complacency from the general manager. It's complacency from the manager. It's complacency from the roster. Right? Like it's all full circle. You know, I could White see White Sox being are a complacency organization. I could see being complacent. If maybe you were the Atlanta Braves or the New York Yankees, you know, a team that has made the playoffs consistently in the amount of time that Jerry Reinsdorf has owned the White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays have more playoff appearances. Yep. Heard, I heard Think some about of these that. stats today on Think ESPN radio. Okay. As I was driving, they were so, talking about some of this, Steve, and it was, it was sad. It's fucking sickening is what it is. It's fucking sickening. Made me sad. The Tampa Bay Rays. The sad part The Minnesota Twins. The Cleveland Indians. The Kansas City Royals have more pennants in my lifetime than the fucking White Sox do. And look what the Royals just did today. They fired the guy that last led them and put together their last World Series champion seven years ago. Literally, of, of the teams that have won the World Series in the last decade, eight of them, eight of them 
now have new leadership. And, and, and one of the other sad parts is guys, we sat there for what, 10 minutes going over next year's roster. We shouldn't have to be doing that. We shouldn't be having to have the conversation. Okay. Where do they slash payroll? Who, who gets left off? We're the, we're in the third biggest goddamn market in the country. And yet we sit here going, Oh, can't afford the $2 million second baseman. Can't do that. It, it, we shouldn't have to be going through this from a, a, to, to put your best foot forward, to, to put the best team possible out there. Instead, we're rotating first baseman into the fucking outfield. That's why I always say the fish stinks from the head. And we all know who the big fish in this organization is. And he wants to continue to run this thing like a mom and pop shop. I mean, I don't know if anybody caught the quotes of the presser that the Giants had today when they announced Buster Posey was joining their ownership group. Their principal owner literally said, we know about all the shortstops that are going to be in the market this winter. We know about the guy in the Bronx. We know we have holes to fill. Can you imagine what it must be like to be a fan of a no, team hey, with an owner that would actually come out and say that? Steve, we'll we'll hear about that stuff, right? We'll hear about it. Well, we had a seat at the table. We offered we offered Aaron Judge, you know, three years, forty mil, but you know, we were gonna, you know, have extensions ready to go for him. No, like I'm, and that's the thing is like we'll hear all that shit. It's gonna happen. Names will be thrown out there. Bob Nightingale will throw out some tweet. Oh, the White Sox met with Aaron Judge's representatives. And then everyone gets all jazzed up and we're just getting up for the letdown. Every every offseason we go through it. And we're all guilty of it. Like, we all get excited. But at the end of the day, we should all be smart enough at this point to understand nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get done. We'll sign a one-year deal for some fucking scrub second baseman. We'll get all jacked up about it. We'll try and break it all down. And, and yeah, let's uh, maybe we can scrap out a great year out of him. God willing. If he does, maybe we got a chance to win this fucking worst division in baseball. This is sad. It's pathetic. I'm sad. <laughs> I might Thank just God end Tony's the show there. Sunglasses. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm I might just send the show there. Yeah, I'm... You guys got any, you guys got anything else? You got some final thoughts? Tell me how you really feel. I love this team, but <laughs> I love this I team, fucking, but what did I, I fucking, what did I fucking say earlier? But I fucking hate them too. There you go. <laughs> it's an abusive relationship that um we simply can't quit. And Maybe I'll just try being like the most negative person in the world next year. I don't know. We'll see. Can't wait for Nani's ballpark mix next season. <laughs> hey, that's a great part of every White Sox season. I mean, we, Fashion, we know, pride, like, and tradition, boys. We at least know the tailgate on opening day against the Giants will be fun. It will. We There'll at least know that. Shots there. Is that hashtag confirmed? I mean, it has been for the last four years, hasn't it? I mean... You know. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll see Sean and Lumpy at some point. We'll probably go to the halfway Saint, to St. Patrick's Day game. Yeah, excuse me, halfway to Pulaski Steve will, Day. Steve will get mad about it. It's the same thing every year. It's tradition. It's good for you. You'll love it. We'll talk about it on Socks on When's Tap. Danny, Danny Richard, uh, 
The Danny Richard retirement jersey day. When is that happening? Bring him back. Waiting for Ross Detweiler to get a jersey retired. <laughs> the beatings shall continue until morale improves. That's going to be a long time, Steve. <laughs> Guys, I don't have anything else. I'm good. I really don't. I'm good. I really don't. It's been, it's, it's been fun seeing you guys. We need to refill the 69 mega. Yeah, I don't know if that's even going to help at this point. Steve, before we get out of here, why don't you list the probables tomorrow and we'll get ready to shut this down. Uh, we got John Cueto and uh, Shane Bieber. So, yeah. Have at it. Yeah. Um, so Three I, hits, one run. I'm going to have myself a grand old time because I'm going to be in the guaranteed rate club. So I'm going to make the best of the situation. I'm going to have a lot of sliced hand-carved meats and uh, a couple two-tree pops at the expense of Jerry Reinsdorf. The, so uh, I'm going to get my – I'll tell you this much. I'm going to get my fucking money's worth. I know that much. Seventh inning is when they roll out the, the dessert menu. I believe the I one time that I was in the guaranteed rate club. You know, I have. I this will be my first experience in the guaranteed rate club. So it's phenomenal. Um, I, yeah, I've, I I've, went. I've heard good things. Yeah, so I'm looking I, forward a, to it. September I'm taking front of the show, Doctor Narav Shah. <laughs> there you go. September September 2017. I was there. It was. Uh, I enjoyed myself. You're gonna. You're gonna have fun. That I will. <laughs> well, boys, that was a feisty addition. It was therapy. I needed it. Yeah. Well, that's that's why we're here, Sean. That's why we're here. For all your White Sox therapy needs. Hard times. Very hard times. What's the what's the Scott Hall quote there, Steve? Uh bad Which, times bad, bad oh, times don't last. But bad guys do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, on a somber note. Pretty sure it's over. It, it's, this it's is, been, this fucking been, sucks. Just this fucking is sucks. This has been socks on tap. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back with some post game shows. We'll talk about stuff. Try and get you through the last few weeks of this 2022 White Sox season with more of the cast and characters that, that make up this show. Guys, might die, but please carry the legacy on. That's all we have here today. As we like to say, White Sox forever. Something like that. White Sox for life. <laughs>